Thanks for checking out the Tennessee Holler Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Subscribe to and support the Holler at www.tnholler.com to help us fearlessly yell the truth about Tennessee. And be sure to subscribe to the growing family of Holler Podcasts while you're there. You can also follow the Holler on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the TN Holler. Tennessee. 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 Lord, I've really been real stressed. Welcome back to another Tennessee Holler Live. I'm Holler founder Justin Canoe. We're at TNHoller.com, at the TN Holler on Twitter and Facebook. And everywhere else, we also have haulers all over the place, including over in Memphis. And your support helps make that happen. So we appreciate that. Monthly support really, really helps. And today, speaking of which, we have Senator Ramesh, Ramesh Akbari here with us, fresh off of her state of the state pre Senator, how are you? Hey, Justin, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm hype and excited about continuing the good work of serving the people of Tennessee. And also it's Ackberry like Blackberry. Ackberry. Right. <laughs> Ackberry no like problem. Blackberry. Like Blackberry. <laughs> That's my excuse for getting that wrong. <laughs> uh, Senator, so you just did your pre-bottle. What would you say the top level message that you're trying to get out to people through the pre-bottle if they could take away one thing that essentially Democrats are are standing for in opposition to what the governor is going to talk about on Monday, what is it? Uh, that it's time for bold action, uh, that we have a series of inequities in education funding, criminal justice reform, our care for our workers and the economy, uh, and that we need to, to take bold, decisive actions to remedy that. And we have the opportunity and the ability to do it. We just have to have the will. So on Monday, Governor Lee is going to get up there. He's going to say, we just solved education in Tennessee. You know, Sapicki saying, oh, we want to be number one. He's going to say they took that bold action. What's the real story about the action that was just taken, both with the education bills that they passed without hearing from teachers and the health care initiative that they passed without hearing from doctors? What's the real story there? Well, I'll say, you know, there are good things in the education package, uh, and there are also things that that raise concern. Uh, certainly there's some concern around the third grade retention component around requiring 80% testing in person for our students in order for districts to be held harmless. And certainly around whether or not the funding mechanism will be uh, sufficient uh, for, these bold pro- for these programs that are being introduced. Now I will say this, the real problem, the core of the problem in Tennessee education is that we're 46 in education funding. Our funding formula is broken and it puts our local governments in really tough positions. For instance, the way that our um, system is set up, if, if a district has you know, a certain level of teachers, say they might have 220 teachers, but only 90 of those teachers are funded in the state's funding formula, which means that the county government has to make up the gap. And that's just really unfortunate because it, one, takes away from really important services the county provides, but the burden also falls again. It's almost like, our constituents are being double taxed for education. The burden falls again on possibly having a property tax increase. So until we're no longer 46 in the nation in education funding, until we're fully funding our schools and providing the amount of of money for our teachers, for meaningful interventions for our schools, 
uh, and for our children to have state-of-the-art supplies and the technology that they need, uh, then we're really going to be behind the curve regardless of what we do. The number that I've heard is that based on inflation, teachers are making less today than they made 10 years ago. Uh, are you saying that even with this injection of funds, we're still going to be 46th in the nation? The, the money that they're putting into the system is not going to change that? Uh, first of all, hi, Cola. <laughs> Hi. And second of all, uh, no, it's not going to change that until we change the foundation. Now, these are four programs. I am pleased with the investment in literacy and that those types of interventions. I do think that the summer camps and the after school programs could really do a great thing. But again, I'm concerned about funding for it. But no, those are not going to change the basic foundation and formula under which education is funded in this state. Um, and until we tackle that, then then it's not going to change. So let's stay on schools for a second. We're now seeing the biggest school systems go back to school in person. Uh, you know, do you sorry about Koa? Do you think that they're ready for this? Is this happening based on the numbers, or is it happening based on politics? I think that there are some folks in Nashville that have that have tried to apply political pressure. But I'll tell you this, I have a great relationship with our superintendent in Shelby County, and I can assure you, and also with the school board, and I can assure you every decision that they're making is based on numbers and what's best for the community in which we live. Uh, so there might be political pressure, but at the end of the day, our local government, our local school system is gonna do what's best for students, uh, whether that's virtual learning only or some sort of hybrid model. I think yesterday, Dr. Ray, the superintendent of our school system, did kind of detail some plans for reopening and Nashville is going to resume some form of in-person learning on Monday. But the numbers have to dictate uh, how we move forward. And, I, and I'm pleased and proud of our superintendents and school boards uh, that have done just that, regardless of the pressure that has come down from some elected officials in Nashville. What about when it comes to teachers and vaccines? I know not all teachers are vaccinated. We've heard stories of people traveling to far off counties, even out of state, to get vaccinated. Uh, do you have any concerns about the situation as far as teachers having access to the vaccine and in general vaccinations in Tennessee? How is that going? Well, I'll say this. I think that it was a great move and this was based on information from the CDC to move teachers up to the 1B category right behind healthcare workers and first responders. I think that's really important. Um, but I will say, and this is really based on catastrophic failures from our previous federal administration, from the Trump administration, to actually get vaccines out to our communities. Tennessee has been ready to vaccinate folks. It's just that we don't have the supplies that we need uh, to make it happen. And some counties where they have a smaller population of first responders or, or um, those in the medical field, they might be able to move on to different phases. Uh, but that's not the case in Shelby County now. I am really excited about the bold action that the Biden administration is taking, uh, shipping vaccines, some of them directly to pharmacies uh, and making a commitment to get 100 million doses in arms in the first 100 days of the presidency. So I think that's going to make a big difference. And I do know that a lot of our teachers already fall into the categories that are able to get vaccines. But uh, until that happens, we have to make sure that our teachers have the proper PPE that they need, uh, that there's adequate spacing in schools, that there is rigid and rapid testing uh, done so that people can be safe and confident in that environment. 
uh, and that that we are following all all healthcare guidance guidance that's been recommended. Uh, but certainly, I'm hoping that we will move soon into the teachers phase. The only thing is, if we bump teachers up any further, uh, we will potentially be pushing some of our elderly and immune compromised folks um, out of out of the queue. So my plan, my hope is with Walmart now offering vaccines, with Walgreens offering vaccines, with Shelby County uh, Health Department really doing some uh, community based like in Whitehaven and Frazier and communities where people in my district live, uh, that it will speed up the vaccination process for sure. So when it comes to teachers and yeah, by the way, I, I know you mentioned you lost an aunt. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, that's never easy. Um, when it comes to teachers and schools, it seems like the framing from the beginning has always been either or, either teachers and schools or getting back to school or either the economy or safety. Like safety has sort of been on the other side of all of this stuff when I think you mentioned this in your speech that that's sort of a, a miscalculation, a, a poor framing that they've always been one and the same. Can you elaborate on that? Uh, for sure. And that's something we've been saying uh, as a caucus from the beginning. If people are not healthy, and this is based on uh, evidence has been presented by Dr. Fauci and others. If people are not healthy, then the economy cannot be healthy because they're not able to go to work. They're not able to care for their families. And it's a tremendous cost burden uh, to provide care. Uh, so you have to focus on the health of, of the people. That goes hand in hand with the health of our economy and with being able to have in-person learning. Uh, so I think that's the most important thing. It's not an either or. It has to be uh, a primary focus on, on health and keeping people safe because 10,000 Tennesseans have lost their life. That is something that last year this time we never could have imagined. I remember when we first started hearing about COVID-19 and this novel coronavirus and we were concerned and we said, well, maybe it's just something that's going, that's in Asia or maybe it's something that's in Europe or there's some cruise ships that have had these issues. I remember minority leader Jeff Yarbrough said to me, you know, the World Health Organization is predicting that this is going to be a global pandemic and potentially 50% of the population could be infected. And I thought, oh my gosh, I hope that's not true. Like I couldn't fathom or imagine it. And yet here we are almost a year later um, and some people still don't take it seriously. They still don't wear masks. They think that we should operate business as usual. But the bottom line is the way for us to get back to business as usual is by taking this pandemic seriously. It's by continuing to take safe measures to keep ourselves and others safe and by getting the vaccine when your opportunity comes. I cannot stress enough how pleased I am that the Biden administration came in on day one and provided an organized plan for vaccine distribution and enforced certain federal mandates for mask wearing. The science is clear. We always wanna say follow the science. The science is clear about wearing a mask and what it can do to protect people in this state and in this country. Well, we see your comments. I see Tiffany Crow talking about how uh, <clears throat> she's a COVID-19 long hauler who used to be a normal, healthy 28-year-old begging people not to risk anyone losing their lives. Clarksville Holler chimed in saying 10,000 too many because we just crossed the 10,000 mark here in Tennessee. Uh, I just want to give you a chance. You don't have to take the bait here, but you know, in general, how have you felt about Governor Lee's response throughout the pandemic? I'm going to be honest with you, and this is, this is documented from, from our letters uh, as a caucus. I wish that we would have acted sooner 
Um, I know that we're dealing with an unprecedented crisis and some people, you've kind of had to learn to ride the bike as you're riding it. Uh, and I think that our federal government truly had a complete lack of leadership that threw states to the wolves and had to fight, they had to fight against each other to get PPE, to get testing and test materials, to set up the basic infrastructure to try and, and attack this virus. And I think it became politicized in a way that it never should have. I believe we should have had a statewide mask mandate back in the late spring, early summer. We had it in Shelby County. Our big counties had it. Uh, I believe that we might may have opened up our businesses too quickly. I think that there's this desire to say we're open uh, without focusing on what reopening actually means. And I understand my family has a small business, a service-based business uh, that has seen a 50 to 60% reduction in our revenue. So it's hard, uh, it is not easy. But at the end of the day, we have to prioritize keeping people safe. And I do wish that a little more decisive action or a lot more decisive action was taken. Something so simple as a mask mandate uh, would have made a tremendous difference. Something so simple as saying, hey, this is not about politics. This is about people. This is about lives. This is about safety. Uh, and, and getting away from this rhetoric uh, that Donald Trump pushed down. And states, of course, especially Republican-led states, um, they took it and they ran with it. And that's the ideological policies uh, that they put in place that I believe were less based on science and more based on on, on the, the, the guidance that, that President Trump was putting out, as opposed to Dr. Fauci or Dr. Burks. When Dr. Burks came to Tennessee, uh, she made recommendations about closures of certain businesses and those recommendations were not taken. She made recommendations about a mask mandate and those recommendations were not taken. Uh, so I think that I, I, I'm, I'm happy, I'm thankful that our numbers are on the decline. I hope that will continue. We get the numbers every day. And every day I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. This is great. This is great. We're going down. But now it's not the time to let up because if we want to have a summer and a fall where we return to life as we as we want it to be, uh, we're going to have to keep up wearing our mask socially. And I won't even say socially distancing. I'll say just, just being together apart <laughs> uh, and also um, getting that vaccine when we can. Yeah. People should remember that the White House did say we need a mask mandate. We actually talked to County mayors on here that asked for a mask mandate. Governor Lee wouldn't do it. He was pandering to extremists. You know, it was it was the right thing to do. It would have taken a lot of the pressure off of those county mayors who ended up bearing the brunt of the complaints when it came to this stuff. And you know, I just remember him saying, "The storm is passing. The storm is passing." Over and over again. And you know, here we are a year later. So I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, I wanted to move on. Speaking of, I guess it's similar topic is the, st the stimulus package. We have a million people in Tennessee out of work. Uh, what do you want to see from the Biden administration and the Democrats as far as a stimulus package goes right now? Well, I want to see a continued emphasis on tr um, providing additional benefits for uh, members in our community who have been economically impacted by the pandemic and the unemployment um, pandemic that we've had as well. Uh, I'd like to see increased weekly benefits for those who are utilizing unemployment insurance. And I'd also like them to complete the stimulus um, payment. I think it was initially, uh, they, they ended up giving 600. So that would be an additional $1,400 because the bottom line is 
when folks have money in their pocket and they can feel safe and whole and they can take care of their families, our economy thrives. We do not want to move into a situation like in 2009 where we hit this bottom and there was massive unemployment where people could not afford the basic things to take care of their family. I'd also like to see an increased emphasis on pushing the vaccine out, just continuing that path that they've been talking about. And lastly, and this is something that has not really been addressed that much, is making our state and our local governments whole. Um, because you look at a city like Memphis, Shelby County, and even and Davidson County and Nashville, tourism is a big part of the dollars that are raised through tax revenue. Um, and I, I fear that at least our local governments might have to make some really tough decisions uh, related to spending in, in, in their budgets. Now, I know the state is, I think, $3 billion over what our projected revenue was. So I'm not worried about the state, but I'm concerned about our, our local county and city governments. It seems like when that comes up, Republicans at the federal level, sorry about the banging, uh, Republicans at the federal level say, well, we're not bailing out blue states and blue cities, which, by the way, they always leave out how most of the cities are blue because, you know, when people are living together in cities, they tend to vote blue. Even here in Tennessee, our like four or five biggest cities are blue. Uh, but what do you say to that when they when they politicize it that way? You know, I think it's unfortunate. And I say, stop it. Stop with that foolishness. OK, our our county and our city governments provide essential services for members of the community. It is not a bailout. It is a stopgap to help those services continue. Stop making it a red or blue thing. We are not red or blue people. We are people. Uh, and if you truly want to do your job and serve the constituents that have elected you and those who didn't even vote for you, uh, you've got to think about that and stop making everything so partisan. I mean, at the end of the day, we are in a global pandemic. Communities have been ravaged. Economies have been terrorized. We have seen the highlight and the spotlight on the mass racial injustice that has occurred in our country. If not now, then when? When are you going to act and rise to the dignity of the office that you serve? When are you going to put partisan politics aside and extend a hand of bipartisanship and statesmen and stateswomanship? Come on now. We, we, we are at the, the place we never thought we'd be. It's time for our government to work for the people and not just pander to a base. We've seen some things in Congress. I mean, no one on this planet will forget January the 6th. Never in my lifetime did I imagine or think that our nation's capital would be seized. You know how hard it is to get into the Capitol building? You know how hard it is to get into the Tennessee Capitol floor? You can't come on the floor. And they were sitting on the dais in the speaker's office, chanting and hang Mike Pence. Mike Pence is a Republican and they wanted to hang him. Come on, at what point do we wake up and say, is this the America that we claim to be? I mean, now, those who have been disproportionately affected by inequities and injustice have always been a little skeptical on the America we claim to be. I think Dr. King said that the American dream is a check that has been written but has not been cashed for many Black folks in America. But come on, y'all. At what point do we step aside and we say, we have got to do better. We have got to do more. We have got to put this partisan nonsense aside. Uh, I just, I, I don't get it. I mean, I'm a Democrat through and through. I'm blue to my core. But at the end of the day, I have to do what's right for people. And I hope that my colleagues on both sides of the aisle 
because whether you're extreme left or extreme right, it's not how we should govern. It's not how we should operate. And it's not how we should lead as a country. Well, amen to all that. Um, <clears throat> just a couple of things and then I'll let you go here. You mentioned racial issues and one thing that has come back up this week in, I think, 10 days or 15 days, there's supposed to be a Tennessee Historical Commission meeting about getting rid of the Grand Wizard bus, the KKK Grand Wizard bus in our capital. It's now come up that apparently uh, Lieutenant Governor McNally and Speaker Sexton are saying that that commission meeting won't actually count because it's not properly before the commission. To me, it seems like they're just throwing up more roadblocks because they want to keep this thing there. Do you have any sense of what's really going on there? And, uh, you know, what can people expect and how can they push? I'll tell you what, um, it is one of, it is disheartening and it is hurtful to have to walk past the bust of Nathan Bedford Forrest as I do my service to my district by serving in the Senate. Uh, to have a man who is so vile, uh, who made his fortune off the selling of black bodies as if we were tractors or, or shovels, um, who was a main leader in the massacre at Fort Pillow and who was the first grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, a terrorist organization. And for there not to be agreement that this bus needs to go, he didn't serve in the General Assembly. He wasn't a governor. He wasn't a state senator. He wasn't a state representative. There is no reason for him to be in our hallowed halls. If you go to the first floor where the governor's offices are located, they only have pictures of governors on those walls. I can't get my picture on that wall unless I become the governor. The same should be the case. Are you announcing something? No, I am not. No, sir. <laughs> nice try, though. <laughs> Cola, Cola, no, that's not even, no. So, um, but... There's no reason by, why Nathan Bedford Forrest should be in that hallowed hall. And I think that the law is very clear. The rules are very clear. People are very well aware that this is the process to get rid of that bust. Folks have been patient. We have been patient. We have had conversations in the media and also behind the scenes. And people keep saying, just wait. We got to go through this step. We got to go through this step. We got to go through that step. But let me tell you something. Justice too long delayed is justice denied. And for the 13 to 16% of black folks in this state, it is unfair for a former slave master to stand in that chamber. And, I, and I'll tell you something, because people were throwing cloth over the, the bus, there are gold ropes around it now. So it almost makes him look like a VIP. You have a right to study and, and, and revere your history, but not when it's at the cost uh, to other people. Nathan Bedford Forrest belongs not in the Capitol, maybe in a museum where there can be historical context provided, but he does not belong in that Capitol. And I really hope uh, that we'll stop all this and that we will understand that it's 2021. Uh, there is no place for someone like Nathan Bedford Forrest in our state Capitol. Would you think about maybe saying something to McNally about it since that's what's going on right now? And it seems like now is a good moment to pressure them? Um, certainly. I mean, I, I think that I have always, Lieutenant Governor McNally has always had an open door. Uh, and so I certainly, that will be something as we move back uh, into the legislative session next week, that I will have that conversation because I think that um, sometimes people just need to hear your perspective and hear something outside of their own. 
and I mean, I've said it in the press, I've said it on the floor, but I think uh, certainly I'm open to having a conversation with anyone, uh, anyhow, uh, so that they can understand uh, the seriousness of that bus being there and the importance of it being removed. Well, this is me saying this, not you saying this, but Governor McNally was in hot water a couple months back because he posted what seemed like a threatening meme uh, during the protests at the Capitol. So, you know, when you put that together with protecting the bust, just starts to paint an ugly picture. Maybe he'll be willing to listen to you. Uh, I appreciate you giving us all this time. I wanted to ask you one more thing, just because you mentioned it in your state of the state pre-buttle. And I think it's a really important topic and one that, you know, I personally would like to see Democrats focus on more. We are really far behind when it comes to marijuana legalization. Uh, we are one of the only states left where it's fully illegal. What can we do to push that along? It's so beyond past time. It seems like it has bipartisan support on some level. There are one issue voters on both sides of the aisle when it comes to this topic. How do we center this? Because it's not only an economic issue, it's a racial justice issue, it's a health issue. So many things come to a nexus when it comes to medical marijuana or marijuana in general decriminalization. How do we, how do we make this more of an issue? Well, I'll tell you what, um, uh, Vanderbilt uh, published a study a couple of years ago that shows the majority of Tennesseans are in support of some level of legalization of marijuana. My colleagues across the aisle have maintained that if the government reschedules or reclassifies marijuana, uh, then that's when they'll move towards legalization. I served on a task force on criminal justice reform for the Biden campaign, and that was one of the um, the things that the Biden campaign agreed to was um, reclassifying marijuana. And so I think if that happens on a federal level, uh, then there's really no reason why my colleagues, no excuse that they can give at that point. Um, but I will say this also, Tennessee is becoming one of those states where you know every other state has done it, whether we're talking about Medicaid expansion or reevaluating our laws around marijuana. Uh, it, it, it's unfortunate. Uh, and I really do hope that it has bipartisan, I mean, it does have bipartisan support. And I really do hope that we can in some way, somehow uh, address this in this legislative session. Uh, it's just too important. Like you said, there are too many people who are in jail right now and whose lives have been devastated by something that's legal in the majority of states in this country. I mean, that's really unfortunate. Whether or not you believe in marijuana or it's something that you want to partake in, either you believe it medicinally or recreationally, it is still something that is incarcerating and, and ruining the lives of folks. And at the bare minimum, I should not be able to go, because I, not to quote Sarah Palin, but I can see Arkansas from my living room, okay? And I should not be able to go to Arkansas and be able to have medicinal marijuana or go to Missouri or Illinois, but in a state like Tennessee, where we've seen people have to move away so that they can get that type of treatment. A state like Tennessee just seems to be a non-starter almost. Like we get there and then we don't. Well, I, I'm, I, th I think you're on the right page. You know, I would just love to see, because even on the federal level, they're starting to center it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I would love to see it like move up the list is what I'm trying to get at. And, you know, so I think you're all kind of in agreement that it's something that we need to do. I would just love to see it. I don't know what it would take to jump the list, but. I would love to see you guys make it a priority. And, uh, you know, it sounds like you're on board for that. But you mentioned, you know, just to bring it back to the state of the state, you know, on Monday, Governor Lee's going to stand up there and talk about how great Tennessee is doing. And what he's not going to say 
is that we are at the bottom in infant and maternal mortality, at the bottom in poverty, at the bottom in opioid overdoses. We're number one in medical bankruptcies, number one in highest percentage of minimum wage jobs. I could, I could do this all day. And so, you know, the real state of the state is not what Governor Lee is going to say on Monday. And so I appreciate that you're willing to stand there and say it. And, uh, you know, we need to keep saying it every day until more people hear it. So thanks for what you're doing. And uh, I'm going to give you one last chance to make an announcement. <laughs> I will not be making an announcement, but I will say this. I love Tennessee. Yeah. I think Tennessee is a great state, and but we just have work to do. And before we can actually get work done, we have to acknowledge that work is, that we have some issues that have to be addressed. We can't we can't sweep it under the rug. We can highlight the great and good things that we've done, but at the same time, we cannot ignore those issues that have to be addressed. So, and no announcement. I will say this: I'm running for state senate in 2022, so I'll announce that <laughs> I'm running for re-election. <laughs> Ramesh Ackberry, thank you so much. We will talk thank to you. you. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> That's the senator. Appreciate you guys sticking around. And, uh, you know, we'll be back on Tuesday. The state of the state is on Monday. And again, Governor Lee is going to stand up there. He's going to talk about how great he's been doing. He's going to talk about how great the state is doing. The numbers just don't bear it out. We have an F in education funding. I didn't even list that. You know, we're at the bottom in so many categories. So we do have a lot of work to do. And this is sort of a feast or famine state. You know, Nashville is doing well. There are some places that are doing really well go out into the rural parts of the state and you pretty quickly see that not everybody is thriving. I encourage people to check out when remote area medical comes to town and they give free health care. Uh, we'll let you guys know when that's happening. In the meantime, make sure you follow all the haulers and chip in if you can. It really, really helps. And have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.